was born on the 17th of November. Delve into a world of words with books and beyond. A podcast made especially for audiobook lovers. I came into the world as the youngest of five children. I wondered children. what Her Majesty would be like. Fie upon you, limpid one. Why have you taken... Immerse yourself in gripping stories and timeless classics from the comfort of your own personal space. Sun Zi underlined three points on the context to gain There was initiative. no better wine and not to mention... The Whether you're a bookworm or a casual listener, our carefully curated selection of audiobooks will transport you to new worlds and stir your imagination. Subscribe to Books and Beyond and start your audiobook adventure now on radio.cgtn.com or your favorite podcast app. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you from Beijing, I'm He Yang. Good to have you join us. On today's show, we bring you the latest edition of our special series, Beyond the Cap and Gown, where we take a look at the challenges and opportunities faced by college graduates in China. We discuss necessary steps of transitioning from student to professional, what they don't teach you in school, what should a newbie learn to master this move, to a fully-fledged member of the working world. And we'll have a heart-to-heart -heart with you. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer, please send your voice memo or email over to ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. We love that you listen to the show, and we want to hear from you. So share with us your observations, your questions, and comments, and we read every single email and listen to every single voice memo you send us. For today's program, I'm joined by Yushun and Pearl in the studio. First on today's show, we're right smack in the middle of college graduation season, and we have the special series Beyond the Cap and Gown. With a fresh diploma or degree in hand and a head full of knowledge, graduates probably think your education is complete. But a successful transition from school to work is a learning process all on its own. So let's get right to it. The first mindset change that is pretty necessary for some folks is that, well, this has to change, okay? There's only one correct answer. And apparently in the workplace, that is simply false. Do you agree? Pearl, what do you think? Well, I don't agree that there's only one answer. I mean, I do agree that some people may have that mentality going into the workforce soon after graduating from uh, university. But uh, it's normal for people to feel excited and, you know, we're done with university, all those tests, exams, professors and so on. And now, soon after that, you feel anxious. You're like, oh, my God. Um, am I going to cope? What's going to happen? Uh, I mean, I'll admit I'm one of those people who probably did feel that because I, I do suffer from anxiety. So it's normal to me to feel that when, whenever I start something new. So I think a lot of uh, graduates, that's what they're grow, uh, going through when they think about, you know, real world work, professional environment. And uh, so some may fall into that trap of thinking, 
mm, there's only one way of you know surviving here this is what i have to do but they don't even know exactly what they have to do because there's no handbook that tells them this is how you survive uh, in a real world as a professional and so you have to look for other means of understanding how to navigate through that transition and you should you've joined the workforce for more than just maybe a couple of years maybe all this experience and memories still fresh to you so mm. yeah what do you think about this there's only one correct answer at work um first of all i think that is understandable because you know at least before the college period Chinese students were all basically focusing on passing the exams, right? Mm -hmm. And in that way, we Chinese students just have been trained to think that there is only one correct solution to the problems. Even multiple choice questions have a fixed set of correct answers. But actually in work life or in adult life, things don't go like this. In work life, um, one problem could often have multiple solutions. And Every solution can be a decent one, actually. Just like, you know, that that movie said, life's like a box of chocolate. You will never know what's going to happen next, right? Um, so you're never you never know what you're going to get. You're never <laughs> You have to get it right. Sorry, yeah. you were saying. Yes. And just like what is said, right? And when you are finding solutions for one problem, you cannot just, you know, go to that one direction. Otherwise, you will just get stuck in there. Yeah, and sometimes it's kind of like thinking outside of the box kind of thing because mm. there are actually many, many possibilities you can explore. Just like there's more than one path you can take in life as a fresh graduate as well. And just, you know, as an older person, now I look at you guys with envy because even if you choose something that is ridiculous, that went wrong or whatever, but you still have so much time to get it right. Just start a new one. And I just feel when you get older and much older, and then the cost you're paying is just tremendous. And it's not the same like that anymore. Okay, Pearl, what you think? You're making me feel so young. Oh, really? That's great. <laughs> <With> that. <laughs> As an old, oh, well. I thought I was the oldest here, but anyways, I'll give you that. You're older. Thank you. <laughs> sure, I'm the oldest of you all forever, whoever's in the room. Yeah, I mean, stepping out into the real world of, uh, you know, working adults, that's, it's, a, it's a mystery. You must treat it as a mystery. Every day is some, there's something new. I think that's the mindset or the mentality that people need to have and not to fear so much what could happen, you know, or what's going to happen. They should just, you know, accept that they're going to discover new things, learn new things, uh, and just jump in there and get themselves acclimatized to the whole environment. I think that would serve every graduate well if they go in there with that mindset that you know what i'm new here in this as they say nowadays adulting world <laughs> i hate that word by the way but you know because it's overused people use it cliche kind of thing yeah and they use it in inappropriate um situations also so please let's 
retire that word now <laughs> adulting <laughs> i'll just use it one more one more time here adulting you know when you assume responsibilities of a grown up work is one of those responsibilities that you take up after graduating from your you studies in, at university and so on and so once you get into that environment you have to be open to learning new things this is new for me so i'm here to learn let me open my mind so don't be afraid to experience new things i'd say yeah that is definitely the attitude that i i am endorsing here but also just to play the devil's advocate a little bit here cuz sometimes you do read these messages you know just in the listeners comments area um sometimes maybe somebody would say well it's kind of easy for you to say folks um some people don't feel like oh there are so many choices up for grabs for me and they sort of point out that if you feel like they you have a range of choices as such then you're most likely building on the foundation of some sort and it could be something possibly provided by your parents because a lot of young people are under tremendous pressure these days and feeling that the chance to recover if you quote unquote fail then bearing the consequences of a high chance that you might quote unquote fail is a, a lot to contend with and because maybe if you're walking on shaky foundation and then you feel I want to go for the safest option which is also something one can totally understand so I guess um you know with these discussions I just like to acknowledge that you know there's a wide range of um situations and scenarios and how people might take these words so to speak. And also I think that leads to the second kind of mindset that people will take from their school time is that they will always be fixated on passing the test or achieve something at first attempt, right? And they will just be scared of failure and um to be honest i had that mindset even after i entered workplace because we're so easy to care about others impressions to you and you will think if you didn't do it well or if you didn't pass that test then what others will think of you and then under that circumstance you will even ignore whether that exam is easy or not or what result it will be and you will just keep pressing yourself and sink into that kind of a you know frustration and i think why we need to change that kind of mindset and why it's quite good about workplace that workplace offers more room for error compared to schools you know in school you often have only one chance like a final exam to basically prove yourself however in the workplace you you may have more opportunities to enhance your skills and grow. Yeah, this is inspiring yeah. uh, at first glance, but also Pearl, um you must have watched all these movies. It's pretty typical in uh TV movies, entertainment products as such that, you know, for the whole movie, it's like you're building up towards like a final climax of some sort and it is possibly oh, a product launch or this big presentation that our protagonist wants to really nail it because this is going to be the thing that presumably will make or break one's career and in reality it doesn't really happen that way 
Yeah, in reality, you have to go in there open-minded, as I said earlier, because you don't know what you're going to expect. So it's not about failing and then it's all over for you when you fail at whatever task that is given to you. I mean, you have to accept that there are a lot of uncertainties going out into the workplace and uh, anything can happen. Um, one of the things that some people may have in their minds is that, oh my gosh, is the fear of failure, especially when you're talking about failure, is the fear of saying, oh, what if this decision uh, changes the trajectory and life uh, falls apart, you know, my life will fall apart and then what happens and then, you know, nothing will become of me my friends will succeed while I fail and you know become uh, someone who's poor and, and so on but no if your original plan fails there is a way to pivot and mm. uh, follow another direction and some people actually graduate with certain majors but then they end up in careers that are so different from what they studied that's, that's a lot of people now yeah, yeah so it means you have to be open-minded you have to be aware of uh, the environment that is out there and the opportunities uh limitless opportunities that are out there so don't fear you know locking yourself in a box just go out there and uh, try many things if one thing fails there is an opportunity for you to pursue to pivot and pursue a different uh, path and so i I really encourage young people especially who are entering um the workforce to keep that in mind as as they go in and, and try themselves out as young adults you know it's normal to fear to have fear but don't let that fear overcome you and then become an a hindrance especially in your career development mm. so be open-minded see the different opportunities that are out there and try different things if you have to but you don't if you don't feel like trying different things and you feel comfortable in your original decision then pursue that try to grow in that area that you have entered have decided to settle in and speaking of movie scenes that reminds me of example of uh you know avengers dr strange tried 40 million possibilities to fight against thanos Uh, i know that's probably a bad example but maybe we can learn from the spirit of these avengers right never stop trying oh absolutely that is actually a good analogy to use in this instance yeah million times of Mm. uh, (laughs) millions of attempts and uh, eventually something did succeed so why not try whatever is uh, at your disposal um one of them, one of those ideas will succeed. So don't fear that. Yeah, and I just like to piggyback on what you just said there about also um, maybe a bit more this would occur to somebody relatively young going into the workforce feeling that, oh, I'm really self-conscious. I really put a lot on how people perceive what I do. And what if I just blow up this big presentation or whatever big thing you're doing all eyes on you and if i didn't do well then that's the end of it let me tell you no 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 that's not how it works and actually i've personally witnessed so many times when i know that person and it's not like i haven't even you know personally participated in something like this um Yes, it might be an embarrassing 
situation then. And sometimes there's this voice inside of you kind of saying, oh no, I can feel this is, this is not going well. But, and you're not supposed to say something. You're not supposed to let your emotions out like that. Or you know this is not good. But for some reason, you just couldn't control it at the time and you blew it. But you know what? There's a chance to bounce back from that. And I've seen it happen so many times. So even if something happens that you're like, dang, I can't believe that happened. But I mean, shake it off, sleep over it. And then there's always a second chance if you allow yourself that chance. Okay. And maybe coming back to this transition from uh, being a college student or a university student to real world professionals, adult, how to prepare yourself. Um, career experts say that it's important to create a structure for yourself because you are coming from a world that is structured. We're writing exams, you're seeing professors, there are certain goals that you have achieved, as we mentioned earlier, you have to pass these exams, That's you have to study f- uh, semester after semester, you know, that's a structure. So now you are entering the real world where you have to work with adults. So, and now you kind of feel like, oh, I'm lost, what to do, what to do, who to listen to. You have to then create a structure for yourself if you are in the workplace because you are in charge of your own life. So this is where you actually now need to take charge of crafting your destiny and, uh, you know, how your life progress is going forward. Like we said, there might be failures, but don't get discouraged. Just pick yourself up and continue. But there has to be a certain structure that keeps you focused, especially towards your own personal goals. And uh, when you get to work, you can get a chance to talk to your bosses, maybe have a um, a little powwow with your bosses uh, and discuss how you're going to propose your ideas. That is always welcomed in the workplace, especially if you work in a company. I think most companies welcome that when you propose ideas and also management styles, you can have an opinion on such things. So don't be afraid to speak up and you have to propose these things in a very uh, amicable way, you know, professional way. You don't have to like, this is um, what I'm used to. So I can't do it this way. I can't do things that way. No, just be professional. Call it a arrange a meeting with your bosses or your superiors and explain that you might have ideas in certain areas, whether it's a management style or how to propose ideas that will help the business, whatever you are in, whatever you're doing to, you know, develop even further than what it's been developing, as well as, you know, having meetings daily or monthly meetings. So those things are allowed in the workplace. You can have uh, proposals. And so I would say that's how you can try to structure your life going forward. Yes. And just to echo what you just said, as well as I think the three of us pretty much gave separate speeches on rising from your so-called failures. But there's also an important takeaway that is life is not about you falling down time and time again. We need to be smart in learning something from it. And that I think is super important as well to sort of um, have a structured review in what happened 
with my supposedly failure or whatever it is, you know, that is also equally as important as to having the courage in doing these things and trying things out. Mm. We should actually embrace challenges as opportunities for growth and learning. Um, and then I think celebrate your accomplishments, no matter how small they may seem, and um, stay committed to personal development and continuous improvement and surround yourself with, I think, positive influences and supportive individuals who will encourage your journey. Very good point. Pick your mentors mm. and don't just assume that everybody is your best friend because at the workplace, um, well, it depends on what kind of office culture this is or whatnot. But also don't forget that most likely there's some kind of competition uh, relation, you know, among colleagues as such. So, you know, just just be aware of that. And another possible mind change that could be useful from student to professional apparently is maybe you should rethink about the absolute submission to the teacher or authority figure in the space. And what do you think about this? Is it a necessary mind change? So if we're talking about the office, then it'd be your boss or the big boss. I mean, I would say maybe be open to or have the courage to propose ideas or approach your superiors, but not necessarily that you can't follow their instructions or orders because this is a workplace you might face insubordination charges if you start not listening to your bosses and some you know in some companies they don't take kindly to um, such actions but so be careful what you are doing always do so uh, always approach um, engagements uh, with your superiors as well as your colleagues with the utmost respect and uh, you know understanding rather than you know like uh, being um, I guess trying to be oppositional in a way because some people have might have different interpretations of you know what's how to go about following instructions and orders in a workplace they might do what they usually do at home and then they learn the hard way that actually no this is not how we do things here in the workplace yeah i don't quite agree on this one it's not because i think uh, there are no such kind of people anymore in workplace but i think that's that has a lot to do with one's personality you know because i believe uh, nowadays many i think teachers or mentors are encouraging students to have critical thinking and um, be brave to challenge the authority. So basically, I think, especially for young people, they have that kind of state of mind of, you know, try to challenge the authority, which I think is quite beneficial for them to think and work independently after they get into the workplace. But I mean, make myself as an example, I saw some kind of people who are quite think that kind of absolute submission is quite necessary even at school. So I, I don't think they will change even they get into the workplace. Right. So I guess the key word here is absolute submission, because mm -hmm. if it goes to the utmost level, 
absolute, then it kind of implies that you give away your ability of thinking and then what you do is follow orders and do exactly what your boss wants you to do. And some people would even go above and beyond because a lot of Chinese students, well, I am of a, a different generation, of the millennial generation, as opposed to, let's say, Yushun, a member of Gen Z, you know, and back then in our schools, it was common that everybody was competing for the teacher's attention. And therefore, mm. whatever the teacher wants you to do, there are bound to be people who would really want to basically become a teacher's pet or whatever it is. But mm. once you're in the workplace, your boss doesn't always have your interest at heart because this is a workplace you know you have your own interest at heart so if you look in the long run i think one has to come up with your own idea of what's my purpose here what's my goal in life what is my well-being in all of this and it's not necessarily that some other person would be looking after you that way and maybe that's also something kind of scary to get used to in the real world in the workplace because now you are grown up and uh, it's not like we always have teachers who take care of us like that here i would say it's important to not enter the workplace and become a stranger you know stick to yourself or just be a loner and not be friendly with your colleagues or fellow colleagues what I would say is that you have to try and build relationships in the workplace that will help you even when you are in a difficult spot. You have people in your corner that will advocate for you. Or if you want to grow in the company, people can see that, oh, this person is friendly and they also work hard and they advocate for you mm. and you are able to be promoted and get ahead in your career. The good news is that the future of work is not a zero-sum game. One person's success won't mean less opportunity for others to shine. And I think that is one of the very important lessons I've learned in the workplace. Um, it's not that everyone's slice of the pie will get smaller if one person wins, but rather the pie will get bigger if we're all just more collaborative and do this thing well and we can all be winners. Coming up next, we'll have a heart to heart with you. Stay tuned. From Liangjiahe, a village on the barren lowest plateau in northwest China, to Zhongnanhai, the center of China's top leadership in Beijing. Xi Jinping has served in various posts at different levels of the government across China, starting in his early years as a junior village official to governing as China's top leader. What's he like as an individual and as a leader? How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider myself a relatively hard-working person. I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, income. We can't pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations. 
The Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance, and principles. You can follow the Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I'm joined by Yu Shun and Pearl in the studio. Coming up, we'll have a heart to heart with you. Keep sending us your comments, thoughts, and questions to ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. Your voice could be featured in the show in our heart to heart segment. Audio clips are preferred, but emails will do. And please, could you be so kind in including the region of residence and also your name in your audio clip? And telecom fraud is not a new crime, but it has turned into shady business with high returns. We discuss a rundown of the top ten telecom and internet fraud scams that's worth your attention. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. It would be great if you can leave us a five-star review. It will help other folks find the show. Now let's have a moment of heart to heart. You ask. We answer. Roundtable, heart to heart. Today's listener comments come in the form of emails. Here is an email from Andrew in the U.S. The missing submersible of five wealthy tourists lost on deep sea expedition to view the wreckage of the Titanic dominated news recently. While the story of a deadly migrant shipwreck, with more than 800 refugees on board off the coast of Greece, has for the most part stayed in the periphery. I am disgusted by how this is covered in U.S. media. Thank you for doing what you do. I've learned a lot about your part of the world by listening to your show. Take care. Andrew Richardson from Indiana in the U.S. and thank you for writing in, Andrew. I believe this might be the second time you've reached out to us.、Um, yeah, do you guys have like a quick response to Andrew? Yeah, the story, the oh, both stories have been very, very heartbreaking, and we saw a lot of、uh, media companies in different parts of the world how they covered both incidents, and it there was a disparity, I have to say.、Um, You saw a lot of focus being paid to this、um, submersible that、um, sank with these five gentlemen or five、uh, men, and the younger man was, I think, in his teens, and、uh, a lot of also、um, money was spent, resources, etc., to actually try and look for these、uh, these people as well as you know find out what happened. Whereas on the other side of the world. Not a lot we were hearing. We didn't see a lot being said or reported. There are many issues that are associated with that story,、uh, and that also I believe deserved to be covered、uh, in an equal way. 
compared to the other um, story in the in the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Um. We news agencies as media outlets, we should be the bridge between you know the audiences and the world. So I think both kind of news need to be exposed equally, and、uh, they deserve the same attention. Well, both are tragic news stories, but there are these disparities in resources and media attention paid to the haves and have-nots. And with the submersible story, it undeniably highlights something about the contemporary world, where some people are wealthy enough that they can lay out a quarter. Of a million to visit the bottom of the ocean on a lark, and the press certainly is selective,、um, and it depends on the situation, I guess, of what they want to turn its attention on. And I think it's definitely worthwhile to take a moment to reflect on how to better serve our audience in that sense. Now let's move on to the second email question from our listener this week. Here it goes. Are there any parking houses in Chinese city centers in Europe? There are houses designed for parking, which can house several hundred vehicles. Also, in supermarkets, there can be a couple of flats intended for parking to be used by customers. So, this is from Almer Vik from Sweden, and this is a question in response to a previous show that we did.、Um, you shouldn't do have any. Information about vertical parking in China. Yeah.、Um, first of all, thank you for writing in, and I think we actually mentioned this part in our discussion before, but didn't go deeper. And、uh, I also researched on this according to Beijing Daily as early as more than ten years ago.、Um, Beijing witnessed the emergence of large-scale multi-level car parks, and the news report that at the time painted a picture full of. Technological marvels, but what we can see is now the sector didn't end up very well, and we still have we still have some, but not so very popular. The first reason is that the cost of these kind of、uh, buildings or parking lots is quite high, and compared to conventional parking lots, these multi-level car parks require additional elevator operators, and、um, the mechanical structure of These parks is also very costly, which can bring economic pressure to both operators and users. Plus, there may be a lack of personnel or inadequate management in certain areas, resulting in insufficient guidance and supervision near these parking spaces. And this can easily lead to safety incidents, because what we are talking about is these, you know, steel monsters with the power of gravity, because they are lifted up. And that leads to the safety issue and maintenance costs are also the factors that we need to consider. Since a multi-level car park is a large mechanical facility, it undergoes daily wear and tear if used frequently.、Mm-hmm. So, if the relevant personnel do not conduct regular maintenance, and certain components may become damaged and potentially leading to safety incidents. And in reality, many accidents related to multi-level car parks are indeed associated with these mechanical failures. Oh, interesting! I've seen some of the more old-school type of parking buildings.、Um, I know they're not very profitable a lot of the times, especially if they're 
erected in, let's say, city centers. That's why we don't see them very often. Um, but in certain slightly more remote districts and places in Beijing, uh, for example, 798, where, you know, the art district place, which is quite far from uh, city center, they have these parking buildings and there isn't really much tech involved. It's just five stories of parking spaces for cars instead of housing people. And they might make sense financially if they are in a place that doesn't have very high rent or whatnot. So at the end of the day, I think this is um, also a cost-benefit uh, calculation that one needs to make if you want to engage in this kind of business. And certainly we don't see them that often in the busy areas of big cities like Beijing. Yeah, I thought that was a bit strange when I first got here because I thought maybe Beijing would have more of those uh, multi-story parking spaces. Um, I come from Durban in South Africa, which is a coastal city on the east coast of South Africa. And we do have uh, uh, quite a few um, multi-story parking spaces, uh, even at the airports that you can actually yeah. get uh, that that kind of parking uh, parking lot. Just drive up, just drive up until you reach a place where you can park your car. Um, so you not necessarily have to. You don't necessarily have to have um, a lift that takes cars up and down. But um, yeah, I think they're very useful. They should actually consider. Oh, actually, I saw um, an article from uh, the municipality here in Beijing where they are encouraging um, such um, multi-story uh, parking lots or parking spaces to be actually made available in the city. Because if you look at the numbers of cars here in Beijing, I think there's like 5.4 million cars in Beijing. It's like the most motorized um, city in China, it's number one actually. So there is that need for more parking spaces, and uh, maybe this is one of the answers, one of many answers. There could be other options that could be made available. Um, but yeah, vertical parking is something that uh, I have seen is being encouraged. I think um, last month when the municipality actually delivered its. Uh, I think assessment on the, the parking spaces and they're going to build about 13,000 more parking spaces uh, according to the report. So that is encouraging. Yeah. Well, the newer the building, the bigger the underground parking we have in this city. That's one thing I can vouch for. And oh, yes. Um, in your email, Mr. Vic, you mentioned that you listen to our show on traditional radio and you gave us like really detailed like a report of listening and uh thank you so much for that i don't know if there's a, a term for folks who are radio enthusiasts like radiohead um i love the band but anyway i think it's really cool that you are really into catching us on traditional uh, radio waves and uh we appreciate yeah, that. Please tell your friends to also tune in. <laughs> yes. And apparently he has already. And uh, that's the perfect listener we're looking for. Well, thank you so much for writing into Roundtable. And if you have ideas on what you want to hear, new games you want us to play, new segments you want us to try out, feel free to let us know as well. EZFMRoundtable at foxmail.com. Coming up next, what are the top 10 common telecon and internet frauds? Stay tuned. 
Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I'm joined by Yushun and Pearl in the studio. The Ministry of Public Security has recently revealed the top 10 telecommunications and internet fraud scams that pose threat to the wallets of individuals and organizations. One figure underscores why this deserves your attention. These fraud schemes that we're going to talk about account for nearly 80% of reported cases in China. So listen up, we've got you covered that way. Guys, let's walk through the list together. What are the most prominent examples of telecommunications and internet fraud worth our attention right now?、Hmm. Among them, the highest incident rate is in faking transaction orders fraud, which means the victims are promised a certain amount of rebate or commission after completing a task, and that task is mostly about, you know, you go place an order. For this certain shop, and then they actually not going to give you any commodity, but you're finishing the task. But this is often conditioned upon making a certain payment to you know become an employee of this store, and that accounting for about one third of the reported cases. That's a lot, and.、Mm. Pearl. Essentially, what we're talking about here is artificially inflating numbers or traffic for, let's say, a particular online shop,、uh, a new product, or something like that. But you can just do it on your smartphone. So, are you surprised at all that this makes up such a huge number or percentage,、uh, actually, of these fraudulent scams? No, I mean cybercrime has become a major problem worldwide. So people are finding innovative ways, I guess, to commit these crimes, and also victims are kind of like almost like easy to find nowadays because everyone has access to the internet, whether they're using their smartphones or they have、um, laptops or PCs at home. They are online and、uh, doing a whole lot of things that they need to do online, of course, because it's. The internet is part of our daily life now, so I think that opens up people、um, a bit more to being, you know, victims of、uh, such unscrupulous people that actually look out or、uh, prey on unsuspecting victims. So I'm not really surprised by these figures. So actually, are we also saying that there are people who make a little bit of money from this kind of action? We don't condone. That is the tricky part, you know. It <laughs> makes you、okay. it makes you believe that it is kind of a proper job, and you can earn commission from it. But before that, you need to pay for it as、huh. a kind of a threshold to be an employee. You know, in that way, the victims of such scams are often students or low income individuals and unemployed individuals. Yeah, that's how that's how most people fall victim, though, because of desperation. People need to get a job, or I mean, yeah, and so they feel like they're in a corner, maybe, and then they start rationalizing this.、Um, <laughs> 
illegal activity as something that you know i'm not really getting my hands dirty so you know Mm. i'm too far removed from this crime therefore i'm not really involved so they try to rationalize it but then other people are just unsuspecting they don't know that they are getting themselves involved in criminal activities that this is illegal what they're getting themselves into so you know there are different kinds of people that you'll find getting involved in those things yeah and anything that asks you to pay up front before you doing anything just pay up a certain amount of money ain't wrong doesn't sound right and anything that looks too good to be true ain't that's probably you know your gut feeling is correct in that sense yes i know that sound so true but you know as <laughs> as a former victim of such oh, fraud <laughs> you're so brave um, <laughs> to to share this story no please do yes. share i mean it might help others right right when i try to rethink every detail of that incident i just realized that they're they're just really good at exploiting people's mind you know mm. they create a situation where you has already given them money And um, then they make it seem like if more money is not paid, the initial amount will not be returned. But, you know, at that age, as a student, you want your money back. However, the reality is that the more money you pay, the greater the loss becomes. I'm sorry that happened to you. But yes, it's easier said than done when you say, oh, Mm. just walk away or I mean, how could you not see the signs? Yes, these people are very skilled at what they do, conning people. They're skilled at it. So they are they know exactly what to say to people and they know how to and what are the trigger words for you to to entice you to give in to this. Um, yeah, so it, it happens. We get a lot of emails, a lot of texts uh, trying to, you know, coerces or just entices into getting involved in these schemes so yeah people should be on the lookout for all those uh, creepy and uh, suspicious emails and texts yeah and after listening to today's show then you'll know that these are creepy suspicious emails or however you know these fraudsters are reaching out to you and another example would be false online investment and financial management fraud that sounds a little broad but certainly it happens a lot Mm. in such cases some fraudsters use various methods to lure victims into joining so-called investment and they make efforts to establish familiarity with the victims and then the victims in such cases are often individuals with a certain income or assets as well as those who are keen on investment and stock trading and usually the elderly are the ones that are preyed upon here because people think they don't know much so they try and uh, entice them into investing in some schemes and uh, what you see is that a lot of uh, people our elderly they lose a lot of their savings life savings through these scams and um, it's very heartbreaking sometimes because this is the person who has worked all their life for these uh, savings and then somebody just comes and just takes it away just like that it becomes a heartbreaking story when you hear Mm. people's stories um uh, being relayed how they fell victim to these uh, fraudsters 
What are some of the other examples that are worth our attention when it comes to internet and telecommunications fraud, like false online loan fraud and impersonation of e-commerce and logistics customer service fraud? I have to say, <laughs> I fell for that also,、um, and also impersonation of public security. Procuratorate and court fraud. I almost fell for that ten <laughs> years ago. This one is, you know, it's been around for a little while. Maybe we can compare notes. You so should. Which, which one did you fall for? Uh, the public security one. Because、mm. I was, uh, I just graduated back then, and um, I just got back, uh, to China, and it was, you know, I I was just not aware of these different types of fraud, and then when The police calls you, you know.、Um, at the time, yeah, it was ten years ago, and then I was like, "Oh my, what what happened?" You know, and and I'm a good citizen. I'm gonna cooperate with you, whatever you need me to do. You know, I'm a good citizen, and、uh, I almost fell for it. But then, when the policeman became very attentive and he wanted to come to my house, and I was like, "Now." I don't think police officers have this much time to waste with a young person. What what are you trying to do there? And then that was gradually, you know. So when I when I sensed something was fishy,、uh, and another time it was the、um, the customs office calling me. And at the time, I just got back from the UK, so I actually had some stuff that were being shipped into China, and then almost got me and.、Uh, But actually, there was another time when it was really the customs office calling me, and I thought they were fraudsters. <laughs> so it's very confusing. <laughs> I think something in common is that they have your personal information、yes! and they can say it out correctly. So they call you, and immediately they say, "I know your name is Yushun.、Mm. You work for such and such company,、yeah. and you graduated from such school." Ah,、oh, and at the and time, you, you just graduated, and、yes. then immediately you had your guards. Down because、mm. oh this is got to be somebody who knows me who who knows wh- what's going on and、uh, and ain't、eh, let me do that noise again that that's an alarm 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 yeah that's their modus operandi they use critical information they might have one piece of information that you really would think、oh, no one should know this、mm. but they they'll take that information and that's how they get into well. Get into your personal stuff and and just hook you in because you start believing that okay maybe these people are, are legit, they know this about me. But hey, listen, you are on the internet and you are always、um, filing something or filling in something, so be, that should tell you that most people people are tech savvy. They should have a lot of your information or personal details, and that's what I tell myself. I I try to say listen. When I'm, if I'm on the internet, someone else has access to my personal information. So, yeah, I, I fortunately I I don't recall ever falling victim to such fraudsters. And I hope that people listening to our stories here or what we are telling you、uh, right now, you become vigilant and you know you look out for these suspicious, all-knowing people that call you or text you. Yeah, and there's one more that is becoming a little bit more common these days of scams. That is, 
impersonation of somebody you know, possibly mm. your boss, and you're like, uh, I need to help him out or whatever it is. Or it's your, um, let's say your mom and dad or your ch- child. And, uh, and also nowadays with the prevalence of AI, well, you know, if you hear the voice, if you see the face via video, it might not be true. So this is also another area that's worth our attention to. Yeah, AI is opening the door to a lot of uh, risks. And so we don't know right now what to believe and what not to believe. And uh, I believe a lot of uh, governments around the world are starting to pay attention, especially in terms of regulation. So hopefully, very soon, there will be something that helps to protect citizens everywhere um, from these uh, frosters, especially from preventing them from using AI to continue to deceive people. Yes, and I think a lot of time they're not even need to use that kind of high tacky things, you know, because nowadays they're just trying to, first of all, get close to you because I think all of these, um, you know, scam types of scams, they're trying to use one scheme is to get close to you and get your trust and then hack into your account and get your money. Mm. Um, Nowadays, they will not even try to get your information or your password directly, but they claim that they are helping you deal with something by like using a screen sharing. That's what I came across. Say more about that because this is going to help a lot of people. Yeah, so that when they try to get your uh, verification code, they can see it directly through the screen sharing, but you are not actually giving them. So... And, and your bank account will be hacked immediately after you, they get the code. So if you give away the verification code, which comes to your smartphone and it's only valid for X amount of minutes, they you could be giving away control to the fraudster who could be miles away. Mm. So synchronizing the screens, very scary. Don't allow that. Don't, don't, don't. No. And guys, we've talked about that the fraudsters often prey on our vulnerabilities, on our insecurities as such. How do we prevent ourselves from being deceived? First of all, I think is, you know, the awareness because uh, we talked about maybe elder people are easier to fall for it. But actually, uh, there are some evidence that can prove that sophisticated people are even more likely to be scammed. You know, self-confidence is one factor that causes people to fall for scams. People of any age who believe they are too smart or well-informed to be tricked are very likely to become victims, especially today when technology is used in many scams. Did you ha- yeah, like like real tips, really simple, but straightforward, you know, hit it with people. This is, you know, what you should, uh, how to protect yourself. One of the things that is being suggested or has been suggested that is that you think like a crook, <laughs> but only a little. So because most people are honest and they don't think uh, like, you know, dishonest people. Also, uh, people as people age, they tend to become more trusting and optimistic. Uh, so it reminds you of that. There are dishonest people out there, people that are always after your money, especially, or whatever property that you may have. So be be alert, be vigilant. Yes, and always remember if this, however, you know, deep you are into this thing, if you smell something fishy, hang up, terminate. It's not too late yet. Um, Also, always 
Well, if you live in Beijing, um, there's a number you can call 96110. That is the uh, anti-fraud hotline. And um, also call the police. Um, report your case. Don't let it go unnoticed. And don't click on suspicious links. Don't give away passwords, verification numbers, any of those things. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you so much, Yushun and Pearl, for joining the discussion. I'm He Young. We'll see you next time. <laughs>